What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? I don't care. I ain't no freaking monument to justice. I lost my hand. I lost my bride. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his bride. You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away, and forget? You're A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, do you Been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten to you. Pissed blood! Open it! 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 Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Do I have any original thoughts in my head? My dumb, blonde head? Well, I did some prep at least. I hope everyone's ready to start. I wonder if they've done as much prep as I have. Nope. Maybe more, maybe none. <laughs> but Arjun loves adaptation, so he probably knows it well. So does Devin. Does Alicia? I should have done. I should have asked her before the podcast started. Stupid, stupid. I didn't even do all that much prep. I just write things down as I watch, and then I scroll the IMDb quotes page. Maybe review some scenes on YouTube, but that doesn't actually help me. I always end up choking, and my thoughts never seem to coalesce the way I want them to. My co-hosts never seem to have that issue, regardless of the prep they've done. Sometimes I'm worried if I come in too underprepared, I'll give an opinion that will come to bite me and come back to bite me one day. <laughs> like I'm going to work for, try to work for someone who produced Leaving Las Vegas and he's going to see that I really dislike my time with it and then I'll get fired. <laughs> who am I kidding? I'm never going to have enough notoriety for that to matter. People would have to find this podcast and then listen to hours and hours of content just to get my opinions, my bad opinions, my uninformed, ineloquent opinions. But before then, I would have to matter to mean something to people who don't know me. And so far I haven't, and I probably won't. But I'm too egoistic to believe that though. Way too full of myself. I'm even doing this pretentious riff as an introduction. Will my co-hosts think it's fun or will they roll their eyes? When I read this, I'll be looking at another screen so I probably won't know. Oh well, wish Brooke was here. She'd probably <laughs> roast me if this didn't work. Sometimes you need to hear that. Maybe my co-host will tell me, oh well. I'm still a scrawny, blonde-headed, bad podcaster, and nothing will change that. Cut to Falls Church, Virginia, 1.4 billion years ago. Everything is being born, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, I thought I'd started out in a fun little adaptation way. <laughs> Can I just say, um, why the fuck are you wasting my five precious precious minutes with your uh with your intro i don't have any use for it yeah i am i'm waiting to go get a banana nut muffin once this is done so let's let's be happy with it oh well done well done um, i will i will go so as far to say just to like kick it off on a, i i on a high note i guess like i do believe personally this is like my favorite screen performance of all time and i do think that you captured at least the essence of it and i, I am impressed at that at that at that opening <laughs> thank you thank you i appreciate it i had uh uh my the way my job works now is that i have to take a mandatory one hour break in the middle of the day so i was like what am i gonna do with this uh and that's what i did <laughs> so um welcome that's to no the break <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is Cage March Match. Cage 
match in March, number four. Uh, this is our uh, lauded performance cage, or I guess, you know, Academy Award nominated performance cage pairing. Um, today on the pod, we uh, are one Brooke less and one Devin Moore. Uh, Devin, welcome back. Your fourth appearance, probably. Um, how are you feeling tonight, Devin? Oh, I'm feeling wonderful. That was a nice intro, Caleb. I really appreciate that. Don't listen to the haters. <laughs> Thank you, Devin. This is why we have you on. Uh, to my left and right, or to my top left and bottom right on the Zoom screen, That I guess this is how the YouTube viewers would see it. So, uh, our, our Arjun. Arjun, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling okay. How about you? <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling weird. It's, it's a weird kind of night, but it's not a Tuesday, so I'm feeling kind of put together in that way. Tuesday it's, recordings, man. It's I can't always weird starting off these episodes without a question. I feel like I got into such like a, a role with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> we can get back to them. I feel like there's just so much to talk about in these cage march ones that yeah. like, I don't want to side. I've already, what am I talking about? I've already side rolled this episode with my little, uh, little introduction. Uh, Alicia, how are you feeling tonight? <laughs> I'm, I was going to say weird, but that's a, a normal occurrence with, <laughs> recording i am I'm, I'm fine i wish it weren't monday but here we are but your monday's ending and it's ending on a bang with these these two bangers of a movie because we're talking about well one banger of a movie and then another movie in my opinion that exists um i can I'll say exist. that i can say that pretty <laughs> with with some conviction uh adaptation and leaving las vegas let's just let's go right into it uh we'll start with leaving las vegas because for whatever reason my mind wants me to place like it in chronological order uh um we'll go alicia wait actually no alicia you're the one that i don't know your thoughts on leaving las vegas so i'm gonna save you for last because that sounds exciting arjun arjun tell me what you uh what your history is with leaving las vegas and what you thought about it um the first time I watched Leaving Las Vegas was uh, this morning, about nine hours ago. <laughs> I cracked open my laptop and uh, burned it out and did half of it before work and half of it at lunch. And uh, about 20 minutes in, I kind of was getting to the point where it was like, okay, if this movie keeps going down this path, it's going to be irredeemable. Like there's not much that can pull this movie out of like the weird dregs of what a movie it started with. And uh, it didn't do quite much to pull it out of that. So uh, I found it kind of pointless and I'm excited to maybe hear if you guys can help assign some meaning to anything I just watched today in that movie because I'm quite confounded. So I'm excited for this. Uh, yeah, uh, Devin, what do you think leaving Las Vegas? Yeah, so I have like no history with this movie apart from like hearing people talk about it. And um, yeah, it didn't really do anything for me. It just kind of made me feel really sad. Like it was just trying <laughs> to manipulate me for like an hour. And like, I don't know, I, I, it made me think of like Requiem for a Dream, but like somehow it just didn't click for me at all. I was just like, is it just just people like slowly killing themselves and like I just have to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah, not my favorite movie, I got to say. I think manipulative is pretty apt there. I felt like it was a really provocative movie in the most like unearned and uninteresting ways. It it it. it like I get what the movie was trying to do, which was like, look at these two people who like are on the edges of society, who have gotten themselves in situations that other people, you know, find them repulsive and unlovable. And these two can find love in each other. And like, isn't that beautiful? But I didn't think that the, the film developed it 
literally at all like he she he picks her up one night and then she's like blowing him and then he's like wait don't actually just stay and all of a sudden they're in love and that's all it takes i guess uh and the climax of the movie uh the double entendre purposeful there uh i just i despised i was just like how is this the big pay like how are we like this is what i'm supposed to cheer at or like be happy with or like they're finally having sex i guess yay and and with nick cage's like almost dead body already who knows what's going on with that ending i guess we'll get into it later uh alicia what did you think of leaving las vegas (laughs) so i think i agree with most things that have been said but at the same time like i don't know like i do kind of appreciate i think their relationship in some ways is kind of like um it it thinks it's deeper than it is and is a little bit like textbook like she needs this he needs this they have what each other need oh I mean she says it they should I I also didn't like the um the like therapy session inner cutting like what what is the purpose of that but um but at the same time like I think you know like yeah he I think it's interesting that he is killing himself through his alcoholism, but also, and like understands the, the badness of that, but just like also is just not going to stop. And like, he, he just knows it's never going to stop and she does too. And like, I think that, you know, it, it can be both things. It can be the thing where it's like toxic in that, like, she just needs someone who doesn't like abuse her and he happens to be there and so she falls in love with him and he just needs someone who will uh, or wants someone who will like allow him to slowly kill himself but and she just happened to be there but at the same time like you do I think in their performance like the performances in this are completely key I I think they're both like amazing I I don't know maybe that's weird I think they're both very very good shoe and cage and like there is like a chemistry there that I I actually found like kind of interesting to watch. Um, I think it's like toxic, but also romantic. And the whole thing is very like cheesy, but sometimes to me in kind of a cool way, like, yeah, I'm in a shitty like hotel bar in the nineties, but I like the lounge singer aesthetic, like, <laughs> but um, I don't know. And yeah, the, the word exploitation kept like bouncing around in my head while I was watching it but like I think it's kind of interesting it's incredibly unpleasant to watch though and the first time I tried to watch it was Saturday things did not go well for me um due to potentially a substance that was involved and then I I tried again last night and I was like wow I had watched nine minutes of this film on Saturday because I (laughs) I was under the impression it was like 30 minutes so yeah, that watching <laughs> watching leaving las vegas with any substance in your body is brave because i i don't know watching it made me want to be like i never want to put anything except for like health foods in my body ever again like it's just terrifying watching nick cage go through these like throws of of like uh withdrawal and and, and addiction and it's i think you're like i do think it's a good performance i think it's a weird performance but you know, I've never experienced alcoholism. I've never been around anybody who's like a severe alcoholic. And as far as I can tell in the research, like he actually 
did a pretty good job of replicating like people in the worst throes of alcoholism. And it seemed really over the top to me, but I suppose that's the type of thing addiction will do to someone. So, uh, and you're, I mean, you're not alone in praising those performances because you know, he won the Oscar for it. So uh, I don't think it's necessarily a hot take. Um, and I think Mike Figgis, was that his name? Figgis? Uh, yeah he's nominated for the oscar and so is the screenplay so a lot of people do like this movie um i just i did find it miserable and i did find it like so many things i just didn't see a point to and it was just like yeah like provocative in ways that i didn't understand like the whole like bourbon on your titties monologue like what was that about like like off suburban on his because it comes back <laughs> yeah yeah and i get it like i get it it's like ooh, like poetic symbolism like the thing he's addicted to on like the woman he loves and like ooh, but like i like what's the point of what somebody tell me what the point of uh her handler her pimp what's his storyline what is he doing he's there for half the movie like the first half and he's like abusive and you're like guys oh, that is a, he's a pimp he's a bad guy and then he just he gets like off well, by I the think, mafia. Or yeah, something? he gets killed, right? Like, so for then no what? Reason. But yeah, so like, what? What does that? That literally changes nothing that Elizabeth Shue is doing. Like, she it does nothing to do with anything else in the movie because she just continues. Like, I guess she takes a break from work, but then she does go and work again. Ah, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm mad that you brought up Requiem for a Dream, Devin, because like now I just want to talk about Requiem for a Dream and I can't stop thinking about whether Jared Leto was actually shooting up heroin during the course of that movie. <laughs> but... <laughs> Maybe yeah. apparently Cage got like bent was just was binge drinking and filmed himself binge drinking to like really understand what it was like. So he wouldn't have to like drunk actually be on set drunk. He just like really got to know himself and how he acted drunk and then replicated that. And like it, it really is a crime that we don't know where that footage is. <laughs> That's such an oddly, like, considerate form of method acting. You know, yeah. I feel like... <laughs> and if you ever want to indulge in something similar, you can just watch Colin Farrell in Miami Vice, who is apparently blackout drunk the entire time. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's... Know, he never left Las Vegas, so this can't go on that list I'm making, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, wait, why is it called well, I guess he Las died. Well, his he soul. died. His soul leaves Las Vegas. Is it implied... <laughs> so did mine. <laughs> is it implied that they both they both climax and then he dies? Is that the well, implication? I wouldn't go that far, Caleb. What, where, where would you stop it, then? Devin? I feel like you... Okay, this is my other... This is like a logistical question. How hard could he have possibly been like out on his deathbed like how limp i think that it's a poetic boner (laughs) i i i I think we're entering a realm of um we're beyond the physical here god it's a metaphysical boner nick cage getting (laughs) nick cage getting hard and leaving las vegas is more unbelievable than like anything in vampire's kiss or any movie we've seen so far (laughs) leading up to this oh but wait wait wait! i wanted to point out something before we move on so alicia you talked about her talking to her psychologist i had no idea what was going on i was like is this like harry met sally like what the (laughs) fuck is going on right now (laughs) who is she talking to that would have been a better format for this movie (laughs) i mean maybe the book i i'm curious about how the book is formatted and also um the sad fact that caleb and i were referencing pre-recording was that 
This is based on a semi-autobiographical 1990 novel by John O'Brien, also called Leaving Las Vegas. And John O'Brien um, committed suicide like right after um, signing the rights to make it into a film. So yeah. Um, oh. A different fun fact is that the Elizabeth Shue uh, psychiatrist scenes were actually her screen tests. So that's that's kind of fun, I guess. I just wanted to get off that topic of suicide. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently uh, Figgis is like, oh, I really like how you're acting in here because like we actually hadn't built out the character and it feels like you're trying to figure out yourself. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna edit those into the film and make it seem like you're talking to a psychiatrist when in reality, that's like, they're just like literally testing like film stock and shit and and stuff on her so well that um, explains things i i do think that like it helps like it does like help her character and i just i really appreciate it like i feel like another version of this character would just be or like most other existing versions of this type of character are like so nothing and i really liked what she brought to the table i mean she's a she's a great actress but like they could have done that in any other way than <laughs> that. <laughs> One thing I will say for Shu is that she does like not fall into the prostitute with the heart of gold uh, trap. I think I think she she gives her character an edge enough to where she's not just like some some like great angel who's been put in this terrible circumstance of being. Uh, prostitute and she doesn't want to or anything anything like that like in fact she seems kind of confident in her job and like like hates having a pimp obviously but like has some sort of ownership over herself and doesn't let uh like cage step on even when he makes some like snide comments regarding like her work uh she doesn't let that she kind of lets it roll off her back and i think i don't know i like what she's doing generally in the movie I, I think the performances stand out above the rest of the movie. I, I don't know if I loved them, but it, it is curious watching them back to back with adaptation and seeing Spike Jones, who I think is underrated as like one of the better directors at getting great performances out of his actors from the past 20 years or so in, in like my lifetime. And watching just like the periphery characters who I feel like are so unforgettable in leaving Las Vegas versus watching like every tiny little piece of adaptation, whether it's Brian Cox for like, a minute just like totally burned into my brain for the rest of my life it is so interesting that like I don't know I mean not to shit on Mike Figgis too much I don't know what he's out there doing right now but I just <laughs> think there was a lot left to be desired and like not that I would want to watch this movie or this script again but I'm interested to see what like a better director could have done with those performances because I still think there was a lot left to be desired like I don't know like Cage is kind of disjointed I felt like in this movie when he isn't just like left to be a complete drunken idiot which i think he's great in those scenes but when it's a little more structured i'm like what are we doing here especially what sticks in my mind is the scene where he's sitting in the bank like recording the monologue onto the microphone and it's just like it feels like there's a better scene in here somewhere that is just getting lost in the wind completely <laughs> i feel like the film doesn't know when to when to be like, oh, this is Cage being his crazy Cage self and he's drunk and isn't that silly and fun and you should laugh at him. And then like, oh, this is Cage like devastated drinking himself to death 
and you should feel really sad. And I think like maybe a more skilled director could thread that needle of like comedy and tragedy is something like Wolf of Wall Street's what immediately comes to mind of like a story that can be like sad and hilarious. I don't know that that's the greatest analogy um, or analog rather, but um, I don't know. I think the movie gets really, I didn't know sometimes whether to laugh or to just like hate it. And maybe the movie wanted me to feel that like tension, but it didn't work for me as a, as a viewer. Um, We'll, we'll get into Nick Cage's performance though, because that's most of what we talk about in the latter half. Uh, So let's hop into adaptation. Um, Arjun, why don't you give us the introduction for adaptation too? Cause, cause you're a huge adaptation fan. Oh, I don't even know where to start. I, I love this movie <clears throat> so much. It, it may be my favorite movie of all time. I think it's just like the most beautiful love letter to movies and like sort of a pretentious movie that man manages to be pretty anti-pretentious at the same time, which I think is just like a brilliant stroke that I'm not sure too many people could have pulled off. It's so self-referential and so fucking funny and so sad and poignant. And I think everything about it is just so interesting. It hooks me from the very beginning every single time. And like, man, I've been pretty, I've been given a lot of praise over the course of my life to the performances Charlie Kaufman manages to give. I think I gave a lot of praise in our, I'm thinking of anything's inaugural episode to the Jessies and what great performances they gave and, man like I don't know if there is a better movie for me personally and the performances he manages to get out of his actors between Meryl Streep Nick Cage and Chris Cooper especially it is astounding to me the work that those three actors are doing and like still manages to shock me every time and I think it's just a testament to how great that Kaufman is as a writer and also how great Jones is as a director but especially just how amazing these actors are and Cage especially that trick photography scene may be <laughs> the best piece of acting I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that one <laughs> later. I have that earmarked. <laughs> um, Alicia, what's your history with adaptation? So the first time I saw it, what, it was something that like I was always like ashamed of not seeing, especially considering like I, you know, I liked everything that I had seen that was Jones and or Kaufman and um then I watched it I think like right around the time like in the same week we watched I'm thinking of any things I'm pretty sure um so yeah that was my first time last year and yeah I really like it um it's not you know like one of my all-time favorites but I like it a lot like I I especially love all the Meryl Streep Chris Cooper parts and like but I can't I can't kind of blame the rest of the film for existing because like it's necessary but that's the part that I'm like the only parts that I'm genuinely kind of interested in and like deeply enjoy watching but like thematically I think it's so important that it exists and it says a lot of things that like I need to hear and I it's also like insufferable but it knows it is and that's insufferable too and <laughs> it's all those things but yeah and this time around I yeah I'd only watched a year ago and I was like how did I not remember that like Judy Greer, Ron Livingston, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Brian Cox were all in this movie. Tilda, yeah. cast. Tilda, <laughs> Tilda in like one of the most normal performances yeah. in the past <laughs> couple decades yeah. 
I was waiting like the first time I watched it, waiting for her to explode on Charlie for like not giving him, you know, not giving her the proper script or whatever. But she never does. She's just chill. Nice little British executive. Or not little, I guess. I don't know. I thought I threw that statue in there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh Devin, how about you? Where where you at adaptation wise? Yeah, adaptation. I think I watched it after Synecdoche, New York, because I had like just heard about Kaufman and like how he was like a big deal. So I watched <laughs> Synecdoche, New York first, and then I went back and watched Adaptation. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I can kind of see how there was like a logical progression here. You know, like Adaptation ends up becoming yeah. what he discovers like an Ouroboros. He writes himself into the story. And then Synecdoche, New York is basically about this guy who's obsessed with creating art that replicates life to such an extent that he gets consumed into it. So I thought that was really interesting seeing where that idea came from. Uh, I think Kaufman, I just love the ideas he plays around with. Like his whole issue with like authenticity, uh, eventually having to like let himself go and like, you know, be a little more open to people's like creative advice. I think all of that's like really interesting. I liked the parts that were more focused on Charlie and his brother Donald I thought those parts were pretty great I I don't know I, I found the Meryl Street parts fine I thought they were okay they were my favorite parts I was I just was really obsessed with like seeing anything that involved this very awkward man that is Charlie Kaufman <laughs> trying to navigate like social interactions I just related to it a little too much but yeah I really I really like this movie um yeah really solid all around nothing but positive things to say yeah um i really like this movie as well i first watched it as a junior in college i think two or three years ago um and really liked it i remember not really loving the ending and so i was curious to see how i would take to the ending this time and i still kind of agree with myself like i i see why i get the whole the structure in that like the, the beginning of the film up into the point where Charlie contacts Donald to help him is like Charlie's movie. And then that point to the ending is Donald's movie with sex and drugs and, and a car chase and gunshots. There's literally that, it blew my yeah. mind that that quote at the beginning. Cause I'm like, Oh, that literally is what the movie turns into. Um, and like, I understand the like intelligence and like the, just the coolness of making it that way but it's still i it still does kind of lose my interest uh after that point not too much like i still think it's a great great movie i think it's a like great work uh but um yeah the thing i like most about adaptation is probably as and like as like i think we all are or maybe not devin you're, a, you're in chem school what am i saying but like just aspiring like artists or people who want to get into the, the film industry um just seeing someone play with the form and be like you can do this you can do this you can do that literally like I can do anything it's it's like very empowering to watch because it's like oh like if I just what like it really makes you think let me get in front of a blank piece of paper and just write whatever I want and see what happens and now granted I couldn't do that and come out with a script as smart and well thought out and well paced and, you know, well structured as adaptation, but it does give me the thought that makes me hope that I could, uh, which I think is a pretty fun and, and powerful uh, emotion to get from watching a movie. Um, and yeah. I, I think that also like in that same vein, uh, like the, the part that I relate to the most is like, 
the the Brian Cox stuff spe specifically like the the quote that I said at the beginning of the episode in response to your monologue um like you know when when Kaufman is talking about what if I want to make a movie that like doesn't have literally any of the things a movie a a a, a movie is required to have by Hollywood conventionally um and like you know Cox gives him like a swift kick in the ass and I like I feel like I I am also always both of those people to myself all the time <laughs> when I'm writing and um I it it's like yeah it's so annoying and also validating to see like these types of um internal conversations like put uh on film by Kaufman yeah it's all like an internal conversation him and Donald just going back and forth those are some of my favorite favorite parts of this movie I forgot how like sweetly their relationship plays when when Charlie finally like that kitchen scene with the coffee and Charlie is finally like kind of being amiable towards him and you could just see Donald so innocently being like really psyched that his brother's like listening to him and and appreciating him it's so sweet like it's and it's cage on cage and but I completely like I think cage does such a great job with this movie because I yeah. I buy I buy that it's Charlie Kaufman like I'm thinking that is the screenwriter <laughs> yeah. right there and I buy that that's this fake screenwriter's brother who doesn't exist in real life, but like, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's great. Well, the thing is, like, you don't even have to hear them talk to know who which character he's playing. Like, just by looking at him, he he nails it right mm -hmm. away. Just in his mannerisms, it is such like a brilliant piece of physical acting, as well as I think overall great performance. But especially that, like, it, it's so so awesome. It's kind of like I don't know the prestige. Like people have like conspiracy theories that like Christian Bale was like, all right, can you film one of these parts now, one of these parts later, so I can like lose fifteen pounds in between. <laughs> like, the cage didn't need to. Just nailed it off the bat. Very true. Um, did we want to go ahead and get into the categories, or was there something that we're not gonna talk about probably in the categories uh, that you want to mention before we hop into them? Uh, like something like music or the Carter Burwell score is pretty pretty great I'm a big fan but the one thing I meant to say like Alicia you brought up liking the Cooper and Street parts a lot and that's kind of what stuck out in my mind I've always loved the cage parts but specifically the wild horses scene where you know the main major quote from this movie about adaptation being a profound process like really stuck in my mind this time as just like I feel like in Kaufman movies, you rarely slow down and get like that slow. It's really that much of like a kind of step back from what the rest of the movie is doing and getting to see Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep, like two of probably the best actors ever to live. It's just kind of incredible to just have that moment there. And I, I think the work they're doing is so entrancing that I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen. And that's really the scene that stuck out more than anything in my mind this time. Totally. That's a, that's actually a good thing to point out because I th those lines are beautiful like I just I know like the the ending monologue where Donald's like they're at the log and Donald's like talking about what does he say oh like you're I don't think that you are who loves you I think you are who you love or like what you love you are what you love your uh wait I wrote it down uh you are what you love not what loves you well we, we might talk about that for best cage line I am less inclined to that line, but I do, 
because it just seems a little hokey to me, which I get. It's supposed to be the Donna Part Ball. But I really like, I really liked the, I pulled it up um, and it's John and Susan because we, you know, we don't talk about their lines in particular, but uh, John says like, you know, I like plants. And Susan says, no. And he says, cause they're so mutable. Adaptation is a profound process. It means you figure out how to thrive in the world. And then Susan answers like, yeah, but it's easier for plants. I mean, they have no memory. They just move on to whatever's next with a person though. Adapting is almost shameful. It's like running away. And there's, there's just, this movie is great in that, like, there's so many, that's maybe the best example, but there are a ton of other points in this movie where I am immediately like thrust into my own brain and thinking about like, oh, how do I like interact with the world? And how do I- Fuck fish. (laughs) (laughs) Done with fish. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then it'll be as hilarious as that. Um, I love like the double- like meaning of the word adaptation like not only is he adapting a book but it's Kaufman literally like adapting to being a a well-adjusted human and all he had to do was make up a fake twin brother and then kill him off for emotional like payoff that's that's all Charlie Kaufman needed stepping into that killing him off bit I, I had an interesting thought while watching this um a little bit maybe impaired when I was doing this. So I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this sort of theory I was cooking up. And I think Eternal Sunshine kind of cuts against this, but like the idea of killing Donald Kaufman at the end of this movie, do you think that parallels Charlie Kaufman's career at all? And the fact that like he sort of has refused to make a movie that like he thinks people will actually want to watch since this in a way. (laughs) And like that whole Donald Kaufman side of Charlie Kaufman, whether it be Anomalisa, I'm thinking of ending things or Synecdoche has sort of, disappeared in a way i think and i think in a way it's for the better he's made some of the most interesting work uh in filmmaking since this but i I also think that it has a deeper meaning that i can't imagine he would have intended but feels so poignant well i mean like i agree yeah i I can see what you're saying because i feel like the fundamental tension of the movie is like wanting to be authentic but then also being overly concerned with what other people think and then that's sort of like the point of like, you know, Donald dying. He's like, he has the epiphany of like, oh, well, I don't really need people to like me. It just matters if I love what I'm doing. And I think you're totally on to something. I think that's where he came to that realization. Because he, I mean, the movie even implies this. He was riding high off of the success that being John Malkovich had. So I'm assuming he was feeling some pressure at least to like maybe be a little more commercial, even though that movie was very strange itself. But no, I actually really like that theory. That's that's actually pretty cool. I like the chaos yeah. walking might kind of throw it into a loop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do feel like he's we've totally lost like I mean there are funny moments and I'm thinking of ending things, but we've lost like comedy writer Kaufman, um, sure. or I guess we haven't. I read his novel Ant Kind last summer, and that has some pretty hilarious points in it. Um, but he was like, I mean, being John Malkovich could be just yeah. a comedy, you know, human nature, underrated, <laughs> underrated movie. That's Gondry too, right? Yeah. Gondry adapting Kaufman screenplay. And that's like about like, they find like a man who has just been like raised in the woods. And so doesn't know, <laughs> like, he's literally just like the most primitive human. And then they like Patricia Arquette and Tim Robbins try to like <laughs> take him in and teach him how to be a person. And then like comedy ensues um that movie's hilarious really underrated he was like a sketch comedy writer in the 90s before he wrote being john malkovich like 
that has disappeared from his work it feels like <laughs> you're so right yeah. bring bring back comedic coffin honestly that's i think that's that's where his screenplays work best when you can and and it it emphasizes it emphasizes the profound sadness that like comes later when you get the the comedy when you get the donald and charlie relationship that's they have their hilarious back and forths like that's it enhances the rest not that i because I, I also love like i love i'm thinking of inning things i love which um, does have some great humor in it like it's not prevailing but it's it's definitely there i haven't seen this synecdoche true it <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a happy movie right <laughs> yeah it's a rom rom-com in brook size <laughs> crazy and that's what matters is synecdoche like funny at all i haven't seen it in so long it's been like four I or five just years just watched that's gonna be what there... i talk about at the end of the episode okay There's i remember it being very parts. humorless i like the part where he pulls out the, the the fake tears so that he can cry at his daughter <laughs> hating him or whatever that part was, uh, I thought yeah. that was funny. <laughs> there is some i think there's definitely less than i'm thinking of ending things humor wise the, the bleeding while shaving is pretty <laughs> 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 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, this this is uh this is not just a Kaufman cast, so we'll we'll plunge forward with the categories. Unless y'all have anything else to. Yeah, we're saving that for August. Does that work? <laughs> oh, please no, please we're welcome. God, no. Um, I do want to uh give a shout out to the third man. Thanks for leaving Las Vegas for having oh, chase. Yeah. Um, well, in that one capacity, maybe to some of you and well that's um, those moments like that are so funny if if i may interrupt because it's like you just know it's like oh the director really likes this movie the characters are not watching like nick cage like drunk off his ass is not watching the third man pool aside <laughs> like that's not happening you anyway. don't know him he just likes flipping to like turner classic movies at like yeah. the end of a long day of been <laughs> drinking <laughs> to be fair i do think a lot of people who turn on like uh you know that type of channel are either um drunk or asleep or 90 years old perhaps so damn do i need to reevaluate my <laughs> i mean including <laughs> including me sorry <laughs> <laughs> and my entire family did i did i interrupt your other thing were you gonna say something um else? they'll they'll come up um i'll i'll shove them in i'll make them relevant good <laughs> Um, all right, so let's let's kick us off the categories in this cage match. Uh, best cage line. Um, there, there are a lot, a lot of potential nominees. I tried to wind them down. Wow, I said that I, I pared it down to like two or three, but there's like 10 here. What am I doing? Um, in, for leaving Las Vegas, I have the, the bourbon monologue. Uh, just because it's it's there and I wanted to talk about it. We've already brought it up. I I have it here. I don't want to say it. Um, so that we'll should just... have been your intro to this podcast. <laughs> just podcast <laughs> flowing all over. <laughs> uh, uh, you're listening to too much blank check, Arjun. <laughs> uh, how about the bar fight scene uh, when the rent? Uh, so like Cage like is talking to this girl who just wants to make her boyfriend jealous boyfriend comes over and socks him some other random bar attendee comes up and is like hey like how are you feeling and he says like the king can't clang king of the ring room 
And then Julian Lennon wipes the blood off his face. As in, like, John Lennon? His, yes. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many. Uh, Danny Houston is like a bartender. Bartender number two, Danny Houston. Lori Metcalf as landlady. Um, who else? Arlie Ermey. I guess he has more of a Mariska Hargitay. She looks great. Who is um, she? Mariska Hargitay of um, Law and Order SVU fame, also Jane Mansfield's daughter. Um, hmm. Interesting. Lots of yeah. lots of side characters. Um, then there's like I didn't. I was gonna go back and rewatch the scene just to make sure I got the quotes right, uh, but I didn't want to. So it's <laughs> it's when, <laughs> it's when he's like getting a blowjob from. From Elizabeth Shue, and he's saying a bunch of phrases. One of them being, "Just because octopus in my bed," "Just because Bill Cosby," <laughs> and I that that whole rambling monologue is probably got to be in here. Um, and then when he says "snake eyes," because we watch "snake eyes," isn't that snake exciting? <laughs> I can't believe though you haven't said um. You turn me on, bump. You turn me on, bump. You're not too tall. You're not too short. You're not too round. You're like the cat, the cat in the hat. Um, I was, I was, I was waiting for you to to give me that one. That's, You're that's, that's a great performance. I can't believe I had to hear that twice today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, any and, other? Uh, hey, yeah. uh, hey, we got eggs. Another one I wrote down. There's lots of random shit from leaving Las Vegas. And I tried to write them down as they came, but they were just, it was, it was too, like, if this was not about alcoholism, I guess it'd be a completely different movie. But if it was, (laughs) it'd be hilarious. It'd be hilarious. And I'd be like, oh, I'm really loving, like, Cage Unleashed, because we always love when he has no, like, leashes on him. Oh, thank you there, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as he also has bourbon on him. Uh, any ad- or any leaving Las Vegas lines that I'm missing? Definitely missing some. Some of them are going to come up probably later. Uh, he screams that he's like a prickly pear. Oh, prickly the prickly pear, pear, pear line. Good, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm like a prickly pear, prickly pear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my um, God. All right, let's let's move on to adaptation. There's a, I have a lot of Charlie Donald back and forth. Uh, Arjun, you got me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and there is one with Maggie Gyllenhaal um, coming up later. Um, Alicia, if you're interested in being our Maggie Gyllenhaal, I would be so honored. <laughs> um, that one's coming up in a long time, so you have, you have you have time. Okay. Um, so do you want to be Donald or do you want to be Charlie, Arjun? I'll let you I'll, pick I'll defer to you, Caleb. I'll, I'll you. Okay. Or Alicia, did you, or Devin, does anybody else want to, want to roll on these, these back and forths? Oh, I'm just enjoying. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can be Donald if you, if you, if you'd like. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So this is, this is coming uh, after Donald set, like is trying to teach Charlie about the new screenwriting techniques he's learned. Um, I'm Charlie. Arjun is Don. You sound like you're in a cult. No, it's just good writing technique. 
I made you a copy of McKee's Ten Commandments. I posted it over both of our workstations. Charlie tears the page from over his work area. You shouldn't have done that. Because <laughs> it's extremely helpful. <laughs> I love that. That moment made me crack up because you literally, he's like, you shouldn't have done that. And it's like a menacing tone. And then he's like, because it's extremely helpful. And he, he just goes back to bouncy Donald. I love Donald Coffin so much. I wish you were a real person. Yeah, it's incredible. The line readings he's got in this are just absurd. For this next one, I've got one like kind of around it that I, is my personal just like favorite line reading by far in this. <laughs> On the trick photography, did I did I yeah. leave out uh, before or after? Well, it's just the way that he says, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good one. Um, let's do the, the trick photography one. Um, how could you have any but how could you have somebody held prisoner in a basement and and it working at a police station at the same time? Trick photography. <laughs> That's incredible. It's, it's so good. It's incredible. So good. Um yeah, just so funny. Um the entire opening monologue I put down um cuz it sets up the tone of the movie of like oh this guy's really just going to enter his own skull and let it show for the whole world to see um not gonna read off any because you got enough of that vibe from the intro of mine uh the, i really like the the sight gag of when he drops off the girl that he's interested in he's like vo- the voiceover is like why didn't i go in i'm such a chicken i'm such an idiot i should have kissed her i've blown it i should just go back and knock on her door and just kiss her it would be romantic it'd be something we could someday tell our kids I'm going to do that right now. And then he just drives away. <laughs> Barry Kaufman. Um, here's the... Uh, <laughs> here's the, the coffee scene. Are you ready, Alicia? Uh, mm-hmm. You're Caroline Cunningham. Caroline Cunningham. Okay. And you're, you're Donald again, Arden. Cool. <laughs> oh, oh, I started this. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Um, where's my brain at? Uh, I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback with the girl. The cops after them on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. And they're all still one person, right? Well, that's the big payoff. Sounds exciting. See, I told you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love the technology versus horse is the highlight of that. Like he's like it's some brilliant theme that he's cooked up. It always reminds me of like, and this is obviously like a better version of this, but I, I feel like Michael Mann is almost a similar filmmaker to what Donald Kaufman likes to indulge in, just like sort of pure spectacle all the time. But if you guys have seen Black Hat, there's a scene at the end of it where like he gets shot using like a phone book, and it's just like very clearly supposed to be the most blatant like metaphor of like an analog world turning into a digital world. <laughs> it just like always makes me. Think think of this scene and i think of that <laughs> uh, it's great um any so uh, those are the ones i wrote down there are definitely some adaptation cage lines that i'm missing uh did anybody have any dimension a little push push in the bush <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all i've got <laughs> i feel like most of my favorite lines are actually not said by cage in adaptation Same. i mean 
the ones Chris that made Cooper me laugh Grammy. the hardest were the were the cage ones but <laughs> i also forgot one from leaving las vegas which is uh maybe i shouldn't breathe so much terry <laughs> oh yeah yeah um i don't know how <laughs> I, when i also when i looked that up there's an entire song called um maybe i shouldn't breathe so much terry <laughs> by a band i've never heard of good I wonder if it's good we can we can caleb you want to put it somewhere in the yeah in the, fake in the podcast splice it in a little bit <laughs> sure that'll be the opening theme uh <laughs> i do like also the way he pronounces the uh, third act to new women oh <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, and uh mom called it psychologically taught <laughs> yeah that's good I like how many times, like, I forget what else he says, but sometimes he'll just say, like, Donald will say, like, a normal phrase, and then Charlie will be like, don't say that, Donald. And he's like, sorry. Oh, don't say industry. Yeah. Don't say pitch. Yeah. Those those are actually such great. Like, I feel like th- th- those are really smart lines. Really yeah. funny and smart. Um, all right. Do we, have a, do we have a winner? Best cage line. Devin, you're the one who's, you're the judge of this, I guess. You're the one who's silently been watching. What, what's your favorite cage line from adaptation? Oh, my favorite cage line? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, hmm. Or leaving Las Vegas. Okay, leaving Las Vegas. Okay, well, hmm. for adaptation, it's definitely the trick photography one because I, I just remember that one the most clearly, I feel like. But, or I do like the cult one, though. But no, we'll go with trick photography. And then um, leaving Las Vegas is hard because so much of it is just incoherent so it's just like which one stuck in my mind more for some reason the prickly pear line just really haunted me for like hours afterwards (laughs) just the way he repeated the line with like an exclamation just really got me but I do like the barump part I gotta say that's a it's up there for me Alicia's uh little reenactment of that part really warmed my heart (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go trick photography. That line just makes me laugh. I really like it. How about y'all, Arjun, Alicia? Yeah, I'm fine with making that. I agree with Alicia, though. Like, even my favorite funny lines, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, come from other characters in adaptation. So that's like with a little bit of a caveat, but still, yes, I, I think that's my favorite. I, oh, it's hard. Now I'm really kind of, because I really love the like, <laughs> yeah, when he says like, Today I pitched that Donald says today I I pitched this to mom, and um and he just says yeah don't say pitch and and then he says you know like if you want to make it in the industry he says don't say industry and it's like like you know in one way I it feels like Kaufman despising how like his art form is considered a business and there are all these like business terms about like like turning it into like a commodity and something that he like desperately doesn't want it to be. Um, and then at the same time, it's just like his like, like, you know, kind of buffoon brother is like saying all these terms that like are of his world. And like, it's just pissing him off to hear someone <laughs> to hear him like enter that kind of world. Um, but I mean, it'd probably be a little much to give it to that. So I think I am going to do the... That I should have kissed her. Fair. Good line. Uh, best non-cage actor. So the nominees that I've decided to pull up, Elizabeth Shue leaving Las Vegas. Um, Arlie Ermey leaving Las Vegas just because it was fun to be like, oh, there's Arlie Ermey. 
um, even though he only has one scene. Uh, Chris Cooper adaptation. Um, I think Chris Cooper was like incredible. Like, I don't know that I've seen him in any other thing that was at like me, like where I was like, this guy's genuinely like an incredible actor. That's a um, hot, hot take. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> well, I, I think it's because in this, he gets to be something so different from what he's typecast yeah, as. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm trying to itch at. Where like, little, little Women, I thought was just like so oh, genius. fucking good though. <laughs> yeah, that's The way true. he's used in that. <laughs> I'm forgetting that. I'm forgetting... There's probably a lot that I'm forgetting, but I feel like adaptation is his like the coup de grace of Chris Cooper roles. In like one of the worst written roles of all time, I think he's pretty good in American Beauty, but we don't have to talk about that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that is the that is the epitome of like his what Hollywood makes him every time is that. I mean, yeah, he's great. Yeah, but oh my god, yeah, in in adaptation, like he's so magnetic and like weird and like sexy and he's just like he, he, god yeah he's amazing that's a hot take wait you don't think so that chris cooper is sexy in this in adaptation uh, well i think definitely I think not the first one. he's so self-assured that it, the confidence is sexy. yeah 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 i, think, I can see I, that i'll try and get a poll going but i think most people <laughs> most women would agree with me okay yeah no that's that's really interesting it's the um, it's the character it's not the sure the gums it's <laughs> yeah gives yeah. good blowjobs though yeah right, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah that's a that, that's a very fair point and just like the way he he has this one line reading where he says perhaps you read about us in mirror world 1988 like yeah that would that would get me going a little bit <laughs> 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 um additionally i have meryl streep uh as nominated i don't think this is the best meryl streep role um i i think that for a lot of it she's just sort of doing meryl streep but i do like i really like when she does the drugs for the first time i think she's just so accurately portrayed the euphoria of like doing a substance that she has never done before and the like joy and like everything that can come from that um and then the phone call is between them like really works I thought that that was a great moment so she gets my nomination for that and then Brian Cox who just comes in for like five minutes screen time maybe total and kills it with every line um I love it when he he says like uh, Charlie's like oh do you remember me and he's like no and he, Charlie's like oh I'm the one you yelled at he's like I'm gonna need more <laughs> really good line um, sums up his career pretty much <laughs> uh, did I leave anybody else off on this list a bet best non cage actors Meryl Streep sunglasses. Meryl Streep sunglasses. If we're going for like those super super short performance, Ron Livingston is fucking electric for about one minute in this movie. Like he pops off the screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, is, I think that's pretty good. Is Ron Livingston the manager? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Indeed, Stacked darling. cast, man. Stacked cast. Uh, who who y'all taking? Best cage, best non cage actor. 
I, I gotta go Chris Cooper. I mean, I, I kind of disagree. I think Meryl Streep is also really good in this and like Meryl Streep doing her Meryl Streep thing. Like she's best when she kind of stays inside of her lines, I think. And it only makes it better. Like you mentioned that one quote, but there's also, man, I might have to pull it up later, but when like he, when Donald dies and her just like dropping all those F-bombs just like <laughs> sticks in my head. But like, oh yeah, y- you guys are so like Chris Cooper is so amazing in this movie. It, it's hard not to pick him. I'm trying to find. Uh... Oh, wait, here it is. Here it is. She, Susan says, um, "You fat piece of shit. He's dead." Charlie Kaufman says, "Shut up." She goes, "You loser. You ruined my life. You fat fuck." And he answers, "Fuck you, lady. You're just a lonely old pathetic drug addict." Uh, and it's that that line is interesting because it's like it's funny because like Charlie like Nicholas Cage as Charlie Kaufman is screaming at Meryl Streep and they're both screaming at each other but it's also like really sad because like when he's calling her lonely old desperate pathetic he's he's talking to himself as well uh and it's a it's a good line reading um on um Chris Cooper because Chris Cooper is also my choice I think he won it with the fuck fish line uh, he's like, one morning I woke up and said, fuck fish. I renounce fish. I will never set foot in that ocean again. That's how much fuck fish. That was 17 years ago. And I have never stuck so much as a toe in that ocean. And I love the ocean. And Susan goes, but why? And he just goes, done with fish. <laughs> I tweeted that when Shape of Water won Best Picture and it got a lot less love than it should have on Twitter. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Where's the adaptation hive to rally around you? <laughs> um, I I love Cooper in adaptation a lot. Like he is gravity in it. Like, but I kind of want to give it to Streep because I think a lot of what she does is really difficult. It's like internal. While it's just like her looking longingly as Vo plays and like. Um, she you know like her how do you play someone who like their desire is to desire something you know like I I don't even know how you would begin to approach something like that but she's so good like I just yeah like every time she's on screen there's never anything lacking and like she that scene of her doing the drug for the first time, the dial tone, it feels like it feels magical to you too. It just <laughs> you're like, yeah, that is fucking amazing. Like <laughs> when when they make the tone together, and um, her her line um, near the end of saying, um, you know, I I want my life back. I want it back before it uh, all got fucked up. I want to be a baby again. I want to be new. Uh, I want to be new. Just like that, like, I mean, that scene is one of the most, like, it's hilarious. And then it, it, in like, all within the same scene, it's like some of the funniest lines in the movie and some of the most tragic moments, too. Like, it it makes me tear up when he dies. But um, yeah, I'm giving it to her. Like, real life, Susan Orlean earlier this year getting absolutely hammered and going on that ridiculous tweet thread that she did kind of like adds a new layer to this, too. Did she? What happened? What? You guys don't remember this? I don't know about this. It was just like a couple months into the pandemic sometime over the summer when she was just like absolutely hammered and going on like a ridiculous tweet thread about uh, her life as a uh, writer. And uh, <laughs> well, I mean, let me pull some of these up actually. Continue. We can, we can get back to this. 
Um, okay, we'll vamp. Um, <laughs> Meryl Streep, I, you know, when you say that, uh, Alicia, it did make me appreciate her uh, performance a little bit more because she does, you're right, she does have that like interiority to where like later we learn like, oh, she is like a person who desires to desire something. But you get hints of that even earlier in the movie. And I what came to mind was the dinner scene. And I, maybe this is also due to Spike Jones's direction. But he just, like, lets the camera sit on her and, like, react to her her liberal friends, like, kind of making fun of the guy and um, to, of John LaRoche. And, you know, she's she her reactions tell you so much about her character and how she uh thinks of john and how she thinks of herself um right. and she doesn't even she doesn't even you know say much in that scene but a lot has been made like of her reading the masturbation scene for the first time but like that's the thing i'm most curious about was like susan orlean's reaction when she read that scene in the script for the whole time because like it so closely echoes the donald kaufman thing that happens later where he's like you're kind of making fun of me aren't you <laughs> <laughs> yep like geez that is a fucking roasting she gets in that scene <laughs> or like just like new yorker writers in general i guess <laughs> yeah yep. very funny i've got some of these tweets if you want them yeah um, he just started by tweeting drunk and then said uh i have a horrible feeling i slandered fennel seeds last night <laughs> um and said seriously we went to my neighbors to see their newborn colt who was born like five ma it's ago and we had some wine and then I had no idea I made yogurt today. Wow. I'm falling down drunk. First time in ages. Where's my kitty? He's my drunk comfort animal. Five minutes later, picture of kitten. <laughs> Proud day. My husband is super embarrassed by me. <laughs> and then finally, I have all caps. So not been hacked. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Um, yes, she, she, she won oh. Twitter for a night and... Uh, yeah, I feel like Meryl Streep kind of nailed it. So I'm kind of swung to your side. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, how about you? Okay. Does Elizabeth so, Shoe stand a chance? She's good. She's good. I, I want to say that. She's, yeah, she's good. I, for, well, for adaptation, I remember Brian Cox's scene just like the most vividly for some reason. Like I hadn't seen the movie in years, but I always will, I'll never forget Charlie Kaufman getting scolded wanting to make a Kaufman movie by by this man just so viciously but um I'm gonna go with uh Chris Cooper because you know you guys have kind of swung me over hearing you guys talk about it. I mean like in Alicia's eyes this man became a sex symbol and you know that deserves a reward so, uh, <laughs> I'll give you. it to Chris Cooper <laughs> I'm thinking of if if this movie came out adaptation came out five years later do you think like Philip Seymour Hoffman would have delivered an amazing like Robert McKee performance where he's just screaming at at like I know Brian Cox does a great job but like like kind of like almost famous Philip Seymour Hoffman what do you like what, what I haven't seen almost famous interesting yeah um, oh I feel I like mean, high school Caleb would have been all over almost famous. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I some I sometimes look at Eric as like a manifestation of high school me or like now now like <laughs> freshman me, you know, like he's like he's me but like 4 years earlier. He's also he the only person listening at this point, so glad <laughs> <laughs> He he loves almost famous, so I think you're probably right, Alicia. 
Um, not, not, I, I remember liking it. I need to rewatch, but yeah. Uh, Eric, if you're listening, that I wasn't meant to, you're, you're your own person. You're a unique animal and I love you and you're very different from me. And you're a beautiful snowflake. <laughs> um, <laughs> to answer your question, I think you would have been good often in that yeah. role. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like this Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep get the get the award uh, together. Uh, hottest cage moment. This is like this is a you know it was weird when we were we kicked off this cage marathon and we were like so vampire skins. What's the hottest moment in it? Um, but it's I feel like this we're we're really we're we're what what's the words scratching picking at it's uh the uh, what's the word there's like scrap scraps picking at scraps what's the phrase we're really no one help him this is fun <laughs> <laughs> this is like when i couldn't find the word articulate <laughs> uh, uh, whatever picking at scraps is that even a phrase wait now I, i'm actually i don't know it's not like picking at is it straw i don't know actually grasping at straws grasping, grasping at, at straws, straws. Knits? No, that's, different. that's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're grasping at straws here. Uh, so I have a couple. No, nitpicking. That's a thing. That's the same thing, right? Oh, Never yeah. Continue. But you continue. wouldn't say picking at knits. Why not? Never mind. Just let's move back. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Bad mouthfeel. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, Leaving Las Vegas was hard because, like, he's just so unattractive the entire movie to me, like, so sickly and and depressed. Uh, But I have when, so, like, he goes on his quote-unquote first date with Sarah, and they go to to dinner, and uh, she, like, wants to light a cigarette. I think this is the right time. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, and he flicks at the matchstick in, like, one movement. And it's like, here you go. And it's like lit. He he has like this like light in his eyes where you're like, you're you might, you're like almost sober. Like, and and it's like, oh, that was smooth. All right, I'm into it. There we go. We're bringing back the hot cage vibes. Uh, but that's the only moment I have from leaving Las Vegas. Does anybody disagree? Does anybody think that bourbon scene was just the hottest fucking thing you've ever seen? I think him playing craps, the shooting craps was kind of hot. But besides that, I think you're right. Otherwise, he just looks really sickly. <laughs> Snake eyes. Yeah, I haven't been in this much pain watching someone like pull liquor like while driving a vehicle since um, Sharp Objects and that fucking like Aquafina bottle uh, full of vodka that Amy Adams was just going to town on for like eight full episodes um i felt ill for most of this i don't think i have an answer to this question i'll go with whatever you guys say (laughs) well we do have some adaptation moments um and it's all donald kaufman it's all just hot hot confident donald dumb him himbo extraordinaire donald kaufman uh love it when he's flirting with maggie gyllenhaal all the time whether that's on the movie set or when they have coffee in that scene we talked about earlier, or there's like dancing at the party. Great, great content. Uh, and then I really like, I guess this is the same sort of thing when he's like, Charlie walks in and Donald is at his like work desk and Maggie is like just finished writing the script and he's like confidently lettering her into like his process. 
Um, and she's like, oh, and I forget what the lines are. I didn't write them down, but it's something like, oh, and then you did this on that page. And then like, Donald's like, yes, and that's to symbolize this. And he's like, so happy and excited. And it's like, yeah, like, that's hot. Uh, what, what, what do y'all, any, am I missing anything there? Even in adaptation, like they're not, he's not quite the sex symbol that he is in national tragedy. I mean, I mean, have uh, no to work with here, so I don't understand how none of those made it. What the <laughs> fuck, Caleb? Well, adaptation might be his least attractive role, like for, as a purpose, like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's looked much better since and he looked a lot better before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so Devin's is the masturbation scenes, right? That's I don't the... know which one to pick. Like, because <laughs> what there was one where he had sex with the lady at the diner, right? Yeah, Julie Greer, one, like, Tilda Swinton. So I mean, maybe the Tilda Swinton one. That one was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Him walking through the orchid orchid show, actually. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's the only time where he gets to be like a normal human in the whole movie. So is he? He's just like leering at women. Is that the, normal to you, Arjun? In the scene where in his dream with Judy Greer? I'm oh, I'm thinking of the real orchid show. Okay, I see what you're saying. Where he's like, he's like, oh, orchids come in all shapes and sizes, and so do women. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, they go out to the little meadow and like Yeah. Yeah. He's still just kind of looking at her. Yeah, I feel like she's the hot one in that scene. I feel like that's the best the we're gonna Meryl Streep yeah. is really hot in this movie. She's, oh my god, yeah. Some weird vibes going on with you guys watching this movie. <laughs> I th- she and Chris Cooper together, like they they're so like unspeakably beautiful in adaptation. I don't know what it, it it's like something like spiritual. Meryl Streep's just like a hot lady. Like she looks good in everything before like 2010. I think. Whoa! Let them all talk Whoa. slander. I it's just more hit or miss after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's uh we'll just i don't know give it to just cage just give him an award for being hot just not in these movies um if only brooke were here she'd tell us what to do that's true we're lost without her um devin you fucking suck (laughs) 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 um no you ground us devin um most most affecting cage acting moment so this is the the category Devin, where like throughout this marathon i've like switched up this category depending on the vibes of the movies so for like the horror one it was like most frightening nick cage moment for the conspiracy thriller one it was most heroic cage moment um for the rom-com was most romantic cage moment and so now we're into like you know i guess oscar nominated cage so i didn't know what to to put it so i i since these movies are both sad i i just put in in some ways adaptation sad i think leaving las vegas is pretty just uh obliquely sad uh most affecting cage acting moment so when you are most sad um uh so the first one that i have alicia just highlighted it um and yeah she just highlighted it on the document uh he when he just like stares at his spaghetti uh because his like illness won't let him eat like because alcoholics can't eat is very sad um then the gift scene uh i guess sadness it's not just sad but it's also like 
um like you know like happy or most moving um wait hold on i i can't think left las vegas a long time ago (laughs) we'll always have las vegas This will be an interesting editing, bringing these two. <laughs> we took a, a small break because my brain stopped working. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, most affecting K. Jack moment doesn't necessarily have to be sad, but when you feel things. Uh, the gift scene, when he gets the little, he's like, oh, like you gave me like, um, uh, what is it? The, the flask. And he's, and he's like genuinely moved by it. And I, for, for a bit, I'm like, yeah, like that's, because nobody, you know, in his former life would have given him one because they'd be like, we're enabling him. And like, that's bad. Whereas like in their weird relationship, Sarah's like, I know this man's already like, he's basically already killed himself. Here's the movie like, is terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I did for a second. I was like, that is kind of a sweet gesture that literally no one in the earth would have done for him. Uh, but it, I agree. Yeah. Like that. It is the reason why I don't like the movie. Um, I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting. Like, I don't know. I, I appreciate that it like treats alcoholism in a way that I haven't seen a lot otherwise it weirdly makes me think of another round um which is a much better film than leaving las vegas granted <laughs> but it's also like it treats like alcohol and it's like like how people feel about like their relationship to relationship to it in a like very nuanced way um without like really i don't think like swaying too far to like either side um, but I, I, I don't know, I appreciate how leaving Las Vegas is like, he loves drinking, you know, he just like, he loves it <laughs> and it's fucked up and he will die. Um, and we will acknowledge it is fully fucked up, but like at the same time, it is sweet that this person like just, yeah, it's sweet and also not okay that this person lets him do it. Kind of interesting. We had a conversation about it, so I, I feel like it doesn't really acknowledge that, though, because like, and maybe I'm misreading it, but it feels like a lot of the movie is the character arc of their sexual progression that just like ends up with him getting his nut and then like peacefully dying. That it almost <laughs> just feels like I don't know, like <laughs> their relationship to me, uh, sort of. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Like, I almost would have appreciated something more chaotic to, and, you know, not to, like, be too moralistic with this, but I have a hard time believing that this movie has a real take on the alcoholism that it's depicting when that's the way that the movie ends so sort of serenely and romantically in a way. I don't know. I see what you're saying. And obviously, like, the fact that we can have this conversation, like, there are layers to it, but it didn't work for me for that reason. Fair um affecting moments in adaptation i put uh donald uh getting the call from charlie for help their whole phone call where he's like really you want me to come to new york (laughs) and he's just so happy that relationship really works for me like it really is like i've said it on the pod before but like brother sibling relationships but i only have brothers so specifically brotherly relationships and films like really just you have an instant pathway to like my emotions um and similarly when charlie like starts to sing happy together 
to like dying Donald Kaufman. It's, I mean, it's like, it is funny because the whole situation is ridiculous because you're picturing Charlie Kaufman writing this scene where he's singing like to his dead brother who doesn't exist. But it's also really sad because you buy into it. Um, uh, and then when Donald says like, oh, this is kind of making fun of me um, after reading Charlie's script for the first time, I got hit with like a pang of like sadness because Donald's like so innocent that he wouldn't like think that his brother would like think so poorly of him. Um, yeah, those are the moments I've highlighted. Anybody else? Wow, I nailed it. I just, I don't know. I just feel like you. we had two movies in competition where one is just like not playing fair you know like one yeah. is like intentionally just trying to make me as depressed as possible whereas adaptation is just trying to tell me like a good story and it happens to be a little sad at some parts like i don't know like i don't want to give <laughs> leaving las vegas the win but i think it has to yeah you know? i i will say leaving las vegas lost me because it was so over the top depressing that i just stopped like my my body cut my cut me off. It was just like you're not gonna feel anything more because yeah, this is you too just, much. you kind of numb up after the first. Yeah, bit. I do kind of like come down to earth a bit. I feel like when he has that sort of acknowledging of himself when she asks him to move in with her, and he's like, "I'm throwing up all the time. I'm a mess. I'm a wreck." And that kind of like made me more sad than him doing his like super super drunk thing, which I think is interesting. Like you kind of get like pulled back for a little bit, but um. Yeah, definitely it is more affecting, like you said, Devin, just because it's like so much trying to. And it, it definitely works, especially at the beginning. So, Devin, you're going uh, leaving Las Vegas. This might be the only award that this movie gets all night. Yeah, I mean, honest, I, I have to go with the ghost nut, like him dying. <laughs> you know, finally getting some. <laughs> Can I, I, I really like a- are you implying really that it leaves his body um like post-mortem it, somewhere like a sick part of my mind was like wow i really hope she got pregnant to carry on his child like i really hope that would be really romantic he already maybe. he does have a child somewhere oh you're right oh shit that yeah. we oh, don't yeah. know Dude, about that's what i was gonna ask like what's with the picture I, I need a little bit more there does anybody have any takes well he he was yelling about the kid at the when he was gambling did he say like oh I, let me see him blah, blah, blah. he was like yelling incoherently yeah. about his child i think so that was all we got so that's that's about it incoherent is the way that leaving las vegas does most things so uh i don't think we're supposed to necessarily know about we're just supposed to we're supposed to have the emotional like oh, he has a wife and kids somewhere that he can't see because he's such a mess. And therefore, like, I feel for him. And there's like an automatic, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's very screenplay-y and not very well-earned. Um, mm. Whereas adaptation is screenplay-y in almost every single way. And I think it earns it. Uh, my my vote just has to be Donald and, and Charlie's relationship. Just everything about it. I, I love it. My vote is actually probably with something from Leaving Las Vegas, either, um, either. I, I do think Donald's death is like, it, it does get me, but in Leaving Las Vegas, like, yeah, Arjun, what you said about like when he just 
kind of drops the comedic drunk routine and like kind of peels back to the like raw like I'm disgusting all the time like are you sure you want to be around that like bodily fluids you know whatever it's not like always funny or like fun um but the gift scene the gift scene was really upset it's just like very it's very depressing and sweet at the same time and like kind of pathetic too you know what I mean like something about Mm. the gift scene like and uh, like the the layer of like her kind of acting like his mom or something she's just like I have presents for you and he's like presents and it's funny and it's kind of cute but it's also just so like these people are kind of like all each other has and they're feeding like kind of the worst parts about each other but at the same time they're like helping each other survive like they're the only reason each other exists so I'm gonna go with that scene it just there's something very weirdly affecting about it Arjun any final thoughts on this before we go to cage physical acting moment I think we I think we nailed it yeah uh, leaving Las Vegas like it, it is pretty freaking sad and it's pretty interesting to see cage take on that kind of role so I also like it's interesting how none of us said the um the rape scene um oh my god which is like I I feel like we're all kind of blocking it out of our because it it, it's I I oddly like I don't think I think it was like I don't know how I feel about like its inclusion in the script because like she already was you know abused by someone but at the same time like I don't know like it, it, it 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 can serve some sort of like plot function where she's like kind of getting into this situation like over and over again and like you know on the one hand she's kind of proud of what she does and like is good at it but on the other hand it like brings all this terrible stuff into her life um but in terms of how it was portrayed I didn't find it uh particularly like exploitative um which was nice but I don't really I think I was I kind of made myself numb to that so I I can't name it as like one of the most affecting scenes (laughs) I don't, I think it's, I'll say on the exploitation, it's not exploitative in like a male gazy way, but I think the scene as it's like its existence is exploitative. It's like, I, I'm trying to rack my brain with what I learned about that character that I didn't already know through that scene. And I don't think that I learned anything in particular. Like, like you said, we already know that she's not in a great situation. Like that's made very clear. And so showing it, felt to me like the movie was trying like actively trying to just be like be upset audience like feel something and don't think deeply about it because just like those I don't know I I really checked out I granted like I don't know that there's like a rape scene where I'd be like yeah it was a good addition to the movie like you know like that's like it's those are hard but uh yeah I don't know not for me uh physical best cage physical acting moment um so i would i just have a couple here um i think the answer for me is obvious but leaving las vegas when he freaks out at the blackjack table from a distance like throws it and just like because at first it's funny and it's like oh it's cage freaking out classic cage and then he just gets like tackled and you're like oh my god he's really having like a psychotic break like damn um, but it's it's cage at his most physical, so nice. 
Um, I love the little flamenco saunter he does um, when he's like shopping in the mall. And he, he like, he says like, I wear it because I want to. And then he does this like, as he enters the wrong escalator uh, and he's having fun there. So that's, that's one nominee adaptation. I have um, uh, when he's profusely sweating at the first meeting with Tilda Swinton. Uh, <laughs> Cause he, he does like nervous dinner. Like, I mean, he is kind of going over the top, but it's so good. Um, and uh, just dealing with all of that sweat while also acting, um, while also the physicality of it being like he has to have something on his face during the voiceover that he knows he'll lay in later, but he has to be sort of representing that voiceover. And I think he does it really well. Um, but my pick is just generally when he acts with himself, because Arjun, you made a really good point earlier in the pod where you know if it's Donald or Charlie just by his facial expression. And that's really impressive to do. Uh, and acting with yourself in a movie, I have to imagine, is generally pretty difficult to do. And he does it um, with his physicality. So uh, that's going to be my pick. How about y'all? Okay, I nailed well, it. Once again, I nailed yeah. it. I've got nothing to add, but like thinking about the flipping over the table scene is kind of making me like swayed toward that side. Although I do think exactly what you're saying, like him acting with himself in any scene is so impressive that it just like sets a baseline that might be higher than leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, like it depends on how I'm like judging this. Like, am I judging Nick Cage for what we now know Nick Cage to be so like in that case you know I would go with like leaving Las Vegas but if I'm going with like his actual skill as an actor it's definitely adaptation because it's like, like what you said you can just tell which characters which character not even like by their faces just by how they carry themselves I could tell which one was which from behind because like you know when he's Charlie he has like a little bit of a slouch he doesn't look very sure of himself but with Donald he's just like completely oblivious to everything around him like he just seems so carefree and that's like that's a real skill to do that with your body to like tell that story so uh part of me wants to go with adaptation for that reason but i can see the case for the table flip alicia i think i also have to go to, go with adaptation like there's so much good stuff in like, leaving las vegas and like especially the first few minutes of the movie when he's like literally like he looks like a corpse and you know he gets um robbed by that prostitute and like it's it's incredibly difficult to watch but it's like very well done but i i want to go with adaptation with like yeah anytime he's acting with himself but mostly just like donald in general is just yeah such a like labrador and like just so yeah the physicality is like constantly there yeah all right there it is um so Devin, we like to end all of these episodes with which is a better cage movie and which is a better just movie movie um <clears throat> i could i don't there's been a couple times when we've said this is a better movie but this is a better like cage movie um i think for me both adaptation shows him off as an actor um apparently i read um i read that apparently like spike jones um really did not let cage do whatever he wanted and cage just sort of submitted himself to spike jones and was like i'll just tell me what to do and i'll do it and like i think that pairing worked really well 
Um, and I think it, it might be his best role in my opinion. Um, roles, I guess, you know, um, so I, for both of them, I'm going to have to say adaptation, but, but what do y'all think? Cause, um, cause you know, leaving Las Vegas is his Oscar movie. And that's why I did want to get to it. Like it's always been the movie in my mind, like, Oh, that's the one where cage wins an Oscar. Yeah. For me, I think I said this briefly at the beginning, like, I think it's like maybe if not my favorite performance ever, like in my top two or three, I, I think it is so brilliant. I, I have to go adaptation and like, I don't know. I think there are even a couple performances we've talked about so far that I like more than even something like vampires kiss, which is going for a similar type of cage where he gets to just sort of like be out there, like capital a acting, you know, I, I think I even like that more for what it lets cage do than something like leaving Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, oh, Alicia, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead because I'll keep thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy. I'll buy you some time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like the way I think about it is like cageism, like what it is to be Nicolas Cage in a movie is like a very specific thing for me. And I feel like adaptation is like overridingly like Kaufman Jones. Like it's not mm-hmm. Cage. Like I think there are certain directors with like a real like. Uh, how would you say like like the, the auteur sort of comes out and like you can tell whose movie it is but I think that they can sometimes gel better with cageism so like an example would be like David Lynch and cageism goes hand in hand like perfectly in my view mm-hmm. I so I'm thinking of um Wild at Heart like that's like a good combination but in this movie I'm glad that you said that Caleb because it really did feel like he wasn't going all out and being cage so part of me wants to say leaving Las Vegas is the best of the cage performance or just being a cage movie. And then the best movie is like, obviously adaptation. Like it's not even close in my mind. That's such a good point. Like he did the same thing to Carrie in eternal sunshine. where just like every stereotypical part of him was just like pulled out completely and like molded to what Kaufman and the director wanted to do. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. And it also though, like that exact type of thing at the same time, I think like, I, I agree with all of that for sure. But like those auteurs also kind of like funnel down the essence of what like carryisms are or cageisms are and like gives you just kind of like a more concentrated, like maybe like kind of toned down version of it, or like through the prism of the auteur. So like, and sometimes it's like, whenever it does happen I'm glad like I'm glad that both get to exist like Cage gets to do wild shit but then he also has to take on the Kaufman-y thing because like um it's just different like it allows for kind of the smaller things to shine and they're just like really kind of tonally difficult like delicate little things that like come through so it's hard like it's I, I do still think ultimately I'll go with leaving Las Vegas. Um, but, and oh my God, but what, what would you guys do if I said that for best movie movie too? Whoa. I'm not going to, I'm not okay. going to, I would never in this world. I'll go with uh, leaving Las Vegas for the first question, adaptation for the second. Wow. Um, there you have it. I think uh, this has been cage march episode four guys we are uh we're four out of five wednesdays done in march we might add an additional week because there's just too much cage to get through but 
um devin thanks for thanks for hopping on yeah it's fun uh yeah this has been uh this is this is uh, i'm trying ah, trying to think of a good cage quote to end it on well nothing. i have one that's not a cage quote but it is an yeah. adaptation quote yeah and this just um well the last act uh, of a podcast <laughs> makes a film uh wow them in the end and you got a hit you can have flaws problems which we know we have uh but wow them in the end and you've got a hit find an ending but don't cheat and don't dare bring a day ex machina uh your characters must change and they change uh, and the change must come from them do that and you'll be fine so are we fine have we all changed tonight i kind of you know <laughs> think it might be worthwhile to put it in a denouement at the end of this where we just like break down what went well and what didn't from our <laughs> podcast for 10 minutes right at the very end you think the audience would like that <laughs> be like oh we should have ended it there we should have <laughs> There you go. Um, goodbye. Okay, let's run.